Welcome to Celebrate Cultivate, a podcast about celebrating the good in life and cultivating more of what you want. I'm your host, Kayleen Elise. My intention is to offer deep breaths and ideas for appreciating the magic in everyday life. I'm here to help you listen to your intuition, trust your inner wisdom, and act with inspiration. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Celebrate Cultivate. I have a guest with me today, and I am excited to share our conversation. Alexandra Friendly is a film photographer, wife, and mother of two based in Washington, D.C. She specializes in capturing authentic, emotional, and dynamic portraiture for passionate people. As an adult living with ADHD, she's overcome innumerable obstacles to create a vibrant business she loves, supporting her ADHD child, and still finds time to craft every chance she gets. As a photographer, Alex prides herself on working with the most hopelessly romantic couples, the most beautifully chaotic families, and the most daringly creative entrepreneurs. Her unusual imagery reflects the uniqueness and passion of each individual she works with. In her spare time, she's an opera singer, a crafter, a sci-fi fan, and a social dancer, an old movie lover, and an award-winning actress. And all of these influences can be seen shining through in the individual way she approaches photography. Alex and I connected through our friend and mentor, Emma Natter. We're both part of Emma's expansive, creative group coaching experience called The Order. I've also worked with Alex to help deepen her connection with her intuition. I love Alex's warm heart and passion for creativity, and I know you will too. You can connect with and follow Alex on Instagram at Alexandra Friendly and visit alexandrafriendlyphotography.com to check out all her work. I'll share her links and on the show notes for today's episode at kayleenelise.com. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. So let's just dive right in. You're a mom and you have a wide range of creative interests, like so many. So many. So how, <laughs> yeah, like we didn't even say hat maker in your <laughs> or um, biography. Yes, bookbinder. So how do you, how do motherhood and creativity intersect in your life? Oh man. I mean, it is just a daily thing on so many different levels. Obviously, there are all of the crafting and art projects that you have with younger kids. My kids are seven and three. But it's finding ways to do craft projects that are not what everybody else is doing. Like, it, I don't like doing the same thing that everybody does. Um, so we'll find ways of cutting out my youngest. His name is Oscar. And we cut out pieces of cardstock to glue together another Oscar made of paper that sits at the table with us. And then he has whole conversations with him and fostering that kind of pretend play. And then a lot of time too, when they're playing with each other or solo playing, I'll use that time to work on something in the corner, <laughs> beading or uh, knitting or any of those kinds of things. Yeah. And then when it comes to your work as a photographer, 
How does your experience as a mother play into that? Well, it helps that I mostly shoot families. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think a lot of it, the photography work that I do, because I'm so focused on seeing who that person is, what they're passionate about, the beauty of the soul underneath, I, I think that that's something that comes from raising kids because that's what we're doing with our kids. We're finding those nuggets of who they are now and who they will become and fostering them, cultivating them. Mm, Yeah. I love that. Did you always want to be a family photographer? No. So I started out as a food photographer and then, uh, and that was just when I started photography, I thought I was going to start as an opera singer and got a master's degree in it and everything. But then when I first picked up a camera, I was photographing my husband's food. He's a chef. And then I started photographing the farmers at the farmer's market where he got all of his ingredients. And then that ended up becoming wedding photography. And then my couples started having kids and calling me. And when I had kids of my own, then that was really like, ah, yes, this, this is what I'm called to do. This is what I've been moving towards the whole time without realizing it. Yeah. Isn't it so amazing how one thing leads to another? And when you're in the middle of it, you really have no idea like where it's headed. And then when you look back, it all of the connections make so much sense. Mm-hmm. And you can't get to where you are now without each of those steps before. Exactly. Yeah. But there's quite a difference, I would say, between shooting families and shooting food, right? Yes. And yet there are also similarities. The thing about food is that you have to do it fast because it stops looking good really quickly. And kids are the same way. You have to do it fast. Um, Understanding light, that's pretty much the same no matter where, what it is that you're shooting. You need to understand the way that the light is interacting with what you're photographing because that is photography. Photo is light. So having an understanding of light is already there. Yeah. I I think with the food, I also, because I was so interested in the detail work of food photography, like I really loved individual ingredients. And I find that that has carried over, especially in my newborn work, but also family work in general. I have a lot of, I'm drawn to those things that you might miss otherwise, like the ringlet of a ponytail or the toes of a newborn, those little tiny things, the the tiny hand clutched in mothers or fingers through hair, the things that you don't necessarily notice when you're living your life, but that you miss when they're gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so, yeah, that's amazing. And it's true. Oh, wow. So I also, I want to ask about trusting yourself and trusting your intuition when it comes to these two different but interconnected aspects of you, motherhood and creativity. But before we dive into that, I just want to know what's your relationship with your intuition and how have you learned how to trust it? Um, I, I've always been a really intuitive person. Um, I, when I was a kid, I, I almost felt like I just knew what people were feeling without realizing that that wasn't something that everybody had. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think as I got older, I stopped trusting it as much. 
um, started looking externally for validation um, that the things that I was doing was right. And also letting fear drive the bus, being able to see what the potential pitfalls were in the future and mistaking those pitfalls and, and that seeing those pitfalls as my intuition warning me against doing something when really it was my fear saying, Hey, you could get hurt. And my intuition was trying to shout at me, you should do it anyway. And I was ignoring it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I love that you mentioned that because in last week's episode, I interviewed Amber Burns and in the conversation, we talk about mental health and intuition and how so many people struggle to identify the difference between anxiety or fear and their intuitive knowing. So how can you tell the difference? Well, for a long time, I couldn't, I think with motherhood, that was really the first place that I started hearing it again, I guess, um, or at least acknowledging that what I was feeling was more than I was giving it credit for. I'd get these parenting recommendations for my ADHD kid, and I'd just have this visceral reaction of, no, that is wrong. That is not what my kid needs. And it felt so different from the fear-based decision-making. It wasn't out of fear that that was the right thing or that, that doing that was the wrong thing. It was just a very clear, concise, and definite, that is not right for my child. And the more I experienced those moments of that is not right or this is absolutely what my kid needs, the more I started understanding what it was that I had been missing for so long. And I think that's really came to a head last year throughout the pandemic, being home with both kids and virtual learning and all of the decisions that come with that. I started realizing that there was more there and that I had an underutilized um, goldmine that I, I had been ignoring for a while. And that's when I reached out to you. <laughs> to say, let's, let's see what's here that I've been missing for so long. Yeah. Yeah. So what does your connection to your intuition look like these days? Um, it's still a work in progress. It's something that I have to continually remind myself to check in with, but when I do give it space to rise up, then it makes all of the decisions much, much clearer. I mean, you and I were talking before the show about whether I should be Alex or Alexandra when you introduced me. And mm -hmm. I couldn't decide for the life of me. I was like, well, I'm Alex, but Alexandra's on all of my stuff. And I couldn't decide. And then you asked me what my intuition said. And I just took a deep breath and felt down. And I knew it was Alexandra, just knew. So the more I give myself space to let those moments happen, the better decisions I make in general. And that has carried over into my business for sure. Um, and also into the ways that I help my kid through a pretty difficult time with virtual learning and being diagnosed with ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. And so where does, where does trust come into play for you? Is it, is, do you find it easier to trust when you're accessing your intuition? I think it depends on the situation. Um, mm -hmm. 
and also who it is that I'm trusting. If it's my, I trust myself more, I think. Yeah. I'm not second guessing myself nearly as much as I used to. I recently made a decision about a new offering that I'm going to be launching. And a year ago, I would have been going back and forth between five different things that I could be. And on any given day, it would be a different thing. But I've made the decision and I'm trusting that that's the right decision. And that if it's the wrong decision, that that's okay. And I'll be able to learn from it. And my intuition will grow from learning from it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting how much energy and effort decisions require in our lives. Especially as parents. I feel like as parents, decision fatigue is just on overdrive because we're not only deciding everything for ourselves and for our work, we're also deciding everything for the home. And as mothers, we tend to be the people that do the most emotional work for the family, remembering to re-enroll the kids and get the doctor's appointments done and all of the little things that can so easily slip through the cracks and, you know, deciding when am I going to do that? When am I going to squeeze this in? Should we do play dates with masks, but inside, or should we only do outside, but no masks? All of these decisions as parents, we have so many more and the pandemic has just made that massively, massively, even more so. Yeah. It's overwhelming. Like as you start to spell it out, I'm like, oh man, but exactly what you said earlier, that there's this gold mine that we can tap into below the surface. And it's so interesting to me how I do the same thing in my everyday life. I let my mind kind of run amok and she goes back and forth on choices. But then if I just take a few deep breaths and center in, the answer is there. And is it always guaranteed to be the right answer? No, (laughs) that's impossible. But it makes it easier for me to trust that there isn't necessarily a right or wrong answer. Mm -hmm. And I, I also find it easier to put myself in the situation where I might fail if it's coming from something that I've tapped into with my intuition, especially if I'm going to that place after meditating and really being still with myself and accepting of what is instead of wishing that things were different, being able to then make a decision based on intuition, knowing that the intuition that I am listening to is processing way more factors than I'm capable of taking into account on my own. Mm-hmm. From your limited brain perspective, because yeah. it's still on your own. It's your intuition. So it is you processing it. It's yeah, just that I it's, always... I, uh, I have, I, I envision my head as this like room full of different parts of me. And there's my inner critic over in a corner looking badly at everybody with her snobbish face, thinking that she can do things better than everybody. And my mind is over here constantly planning and making every, making sure that everything's taken care of. And my intuition's just at ease, trying to make sure that everybody is okay with what's happening and knowing that it, it it's kind of like the mother of my brain. Like mm-hmm. it's okay. It's all going to be fine. I know what to do, but yeah, I, I've got, I've got my room full of 
parts of me that help me be who I am. Absolutely. Yeah. And we need all the parts, even the critic, like she might not be the nicest one in the room, but sometimes she has a good point. You know, sometimes she has something that's worth considering. Could it be a little softer, a little gentler? Probably, but that's not her strong suit. (laughs) (laughs) I find the best trick with the inner critic is to dress your inner critic up as somebody who is ever so slightly ridiculous so that you can take in the information without getting defensive or feeling like you're terrible. Yes. I love that. Oh, can you speak a little bit about your meditation practice and your, your mindfulness efforts? Cause I know that's a huge part of what keeps you grounded and, and okay as you ebb and flow through life. So can you just share a little bit about that and what it looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So I came into mindfulness about two years ago, and it was just one of those things that I was curious about because there had been a lot of studies on the benefits of mindfulness meditation, especially for people with ADHD. And I was hoping it could help me with my focus. And I found that there were just so many more benefits to it than just with Uh, my working memory and my ability to focus on, on what I wanted to focus on instead of what my brain naturally gravitated to or away from, but the benefits, I I was calmer. I was much more patient with my kids, much slower to anger, much more accepting of things as they are, instead of constantly trying to control things outside my control. But it's hard, you know, finding the time to meditate can be a real challenge. I work it into my uh, daily routine in the mornings. I find that if I manage to meditate first thing in the morning, my day goes so much better than if I don't. But it's easy to get out of the habit of doing it. There are definitely weeks where I don't at the beginning of the week and then by the end of the week realized I hadn't done it at all that week. But one of the beautiful things about mindfulness is just the mantra of begin again. There is no falling off the wagon so much as just taking a pause and then beginning again. And that is on the micro level, whether it's in one meditation and you're focusing on the breath and you lose your train of thought, begin again, Mm -hmm. back focusing on the breath or macro of I haven't meditated in a year and a half. I'm going to begin again. And you just go right back into it without expectation. It's one of those few places where I feel like the more you put into it effortlessly, the more you get out of it. If you're going into it and you're like gritting down and I'm going to meditate, man, like then it doesn't work (laughs) because then you're not actually meditating. It's about allowing things to be as they are. Well, guiding things as opposed to forcing things. Yes. If only we could spread that wisdom into so many different areas of our lives. Right. Yes. And it's the same thing with mindfulness during the day as with listening to your intuition. It's so much easier to do it while you're practicing. And then you come out and you're going Mm -hmm. on autopilot all the time and quick to anger and quick to want things to be a certain way. But then yeah, I think that's just again. the nature of life. Yeah, exactly. Like, what else are we supposed to do? We can't sit on a cushion all day long. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, I think one of the things that, that's really beautiful about mindfulness is, is sitting and meditating is called practice. 
you're practicing mindfulness when you meditate. It's practice for your everyday life. The point of it is living mindfully in the present moment without judgment and accepting things as they are with equanimity, which is so hard to do. But the more you practice Mm -hmm. it on the cushion, you can bring it in to your life off the cushion. And that has been so huge with my work in terms of families um, and family photography, mm-hmm. because you're actually forming the memories when you're present. If you're on autopilot, if you're on your phone, or you're just sitting nearby while your kids are doing something adorable, you're not going to form that memory because you're not putting any emotional attachment to it. But if you really focus your attention on the present moment and take in what it is, there is beauty in it. No matter what that moment is, there's beauty in the tantrum. There is beauty Mm -hmm. in the fights. It's hard to see it. (laughs) Yeah, I say after my kids had a giant fight with each other right before this, but there's also something about the connection between the two of them that you can see when they're arguing with each other and the comfort that you can give as a parent to a child who has lost control of the way their brain is firing, being able to hold Mm -hmm. them and help them feel better and help them feel grounded. That is beautiful. So Mm -hmm. being mindful is not about just enjoying the beautiful, happy parts and ignoring the ugly parts. It's about finding ways to accept and enjoy all of it and see the parts that might otherwise be considered bad and finding the good in them. Yes. Yeah. And it's so much about your mindset and your groundedness and it's not always available, but while as you were talking, I was just getting this visual of I love thunderstorms. I love sitting on the porch during a good storm. Now, my wedding was also in the middle of a horrific storm, and that was kind of miserable (laughs) because I was like, I want the weather to be perfect. So it's so much about your attachments in the moment and like what your desires are. And when you can kind of separate yourself or let that go a little bit, which is what mindfulness and connecting to your intuition can help you access. Mm -hmm. It can help you see the beauty in the storm and know that the sun will come out and there will be rainbows and all of that, which feels super hokey to even say, but it's true. But it's when you're like really wanting to get out the door or you've got something going on or like you had plans and then you're like, oh, I do not have time for this storm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's letting go of attachment to outcomes is one of the hardest things to do, but also one of the most rewarding. Because if you can let go of the outcome itself and just focus on what is in your control and doing the work there instead of constantly doing the work there so that you can have the outcome you want, it also kind of takes the pressure off if it doesn't work, you know, if you're trying something new that nobody's done before and you let go of your attachment to the outcome and just focus on what you are doing right now, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It wasn't meant to be, but you put everything into it. And if it was going to work, you did your part. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, the outcome that it working out means so much less to you because you're with each step of the journey anyway. And mm-hmm. so you're gaining so much experience. Whereas when you're really focused on the outcome, it's harder to gain the experience because you kind of rush through it looking yeah. just for the, the end result. Yes, exactly. It's that cliche of life is a journey, not a destination. I mean, all the cliches are good, you know, know? it's like one of those things where it's like, and especially doing a podcast and having conversations like this, you like hesitate to throw out the cliches, but it's like, no, that's why we say it. Cause it's true. Yeah. Well, and you, it it really is. You know that my intuition is like, it just speaks in cliches. It's so funny (laughs) listening back to the recordings of our sessions. It's like, Oh, cliche. Oh, and there's another cliche. Oh, and another one, but there's meaning there. And, and there's something worth gaining from all of those moments of insight because there is insight in the cliches. They're cliches for a reason. Exactly. And it's very telling that your intuition is funny (laughs) And she likes to play, you know, it's like, those are, I feel like the little breadcrumbs and hints of like, Hey, I am really here. And I really am a part of you. And I also like to kind of keep it fun. I mean, some people's are more serious than others, of course, because we're all different, but generally speaking, a lot of the clients I work with kind of come into a session thinking things are going to be serious and it's going to be like hard work, which it can be, but most of the time it's like really fun and light and there's work, but you know, it likes to play with you because it is you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we like to play. I know you do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love play. (laughs) Well, I have three more rapid fire questions for you. So we'll just start with the first. What are you currently celebrating? I feel like I'm constantly in this process of celebrating something while also looking forward to what I'm working on next. I had motherhood mini sessions that didn't turn out the way that I had initially hoped that they would, but they were absolutely wonderful. And I'm really excited about my new offering, which is grandparent sessions, getting to just focus on that unique relationship between grandparent and grandchild, especially at a time when grandparents and grandkids haven't seen each other in a year and a half, Mm -hmm. most of them, and being able to have those moments and those memories, especially for those people that aren't going to be with us forever or for even very much longer, I think is really powerful. And I'm excited about having that in the world and, and out there. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's something to celebrate for sure. (laughs) Okay. So what's next? What are you cultivating? Well, I feel like I just answered that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm cultivating these grandparent sessions. (laughs) Yes. Um, It's, I think that's why I was hesitant to put that in the celebrate column, but I am celebrating that I I have chosen this path and I'm excited about that path. And I'm, I'm working hard to cultivate it into something special and unique. I don't see a lot of grandparents being photographed and I'm excited about capturing the beauty and the wisdom that comes with age. And that, like I said, that unique and special relationship between grandparent and grandchild. 
Yeah, totally. Well, you're making me want to throw out my third question because it's, is there anything you're creating that you're especially excited about? <laughs> all, three of these. I feel like all three of my questions are the same answer, but in your life as a mother, is there anything else that you feel like you're kind of bringing into this energy of celebrating or cultivating or creating? Um, I think I'm helping my son cultivate a work ethic. Virtual learning has been really hard for him in no small part because of the ADHD, but also he is, uh, incredibly bright, which means that things come really easily to him. He's in -hmm. first grade and reading at a fourth grade level, but also can't write as well as another first grader. So helping him understand the value of hard work and he's getting there. And that's something that I'm definitely celebrating. Hmm. And cultivating and and creating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all three of those just intertwine. They're braided together. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why I love talking about them. Oh, Alex, thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your wisdom and magic with all of us. Well, thank you, Kayleen. This was wonderful. (laughs) Well, like I said, I will be sure to share all of your links in the show notes for today's episode, but for people who are listening that want to connect with you right away, what's the best place for them to find you? Definitely. Instagram is probably the place to get in touch with me the quickest for a quick question. But if you want to know more about me, my website is um, an open book on my life. (laughs) So alexandrafriendlyphotography.com. You can see my work and read my story and get in touch for a session if you want. I love doing sessions. Yes. Absolutely. Especially if you're in the DC area. And if you have grandparents who you want to capture with your children, Alex is going to be doing that soon. So you should definitely check that out. I would for sure if I was local. Well, thank you, Kayleen. Yes, definitely. So friends, thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode and I'll talk to you then. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Visit KayleenElise.com for links and notes from today's episode. Connect with me on Instagram. I'm at KayleenElise. Please share this pod with anyone who could use a little extra magic in their everyday life. Stay tuned for the next episode. I'll talk to you then.